Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's another Egg Chasers rugby podcast. This is the, the regular pod, the one where we talk about all of the rugby rather than just going on about England versus Australia and that incredible win. Oh, amazing win. So good. And we did, a, we did a special podcast with the boys from the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast, our counterparts in Australia. Uh, you can find that one on our iTunes or Acast feed or wherever you're listening to this. Uh, just search for Egg Chasers Podcast wherever you're looking. Subscribe, in fact, and then you don't have to go looking for it. We'll make sure it gets delivered straight to you. Uh, my name is Tim. JB's here as well. Hello, Tim. Uh, we're going to link up with Phil very soon, but do you have the music, JB? I, most, I always have the music. Right. Hold there. Okay then, we do not take ourselves or the game too seriously, we just love the game of rugby. And we're on at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, as I say you can find us on iTunes and Acast and leave your reviews on iTunes, that's all we ask. If you could just take one moment of your time to leave us a review, like uh, this one JB. Oh yes please Tim. Oh, let, let me just drop down that music a second, we need to give this Hang on, this will be place. This will be very smooth. There you go. Oh, lovely. So smooth. <laughs> I, I, I could do this as a professional, I'm you sure. You really but... could, mate. You really could. <laughs> You've been taking notes, I can see. All right, okay. So uh, this is a fantastic review from Sport Monkey, uh, who says, This podcast is like a James Haskell sidestep. Surprising. Alarming. You're not quite sure how they get away with it, but you love it all the same. <laughs> oh, I, I, thanks. Thanks, I think. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so take a moment of your time and I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, also, I just mentioned James Haskell there. Do you know what? Did you see the article in The Telegraph, JB? No. The headline said, James. it was based oh, on the first test, James Haskell's spectacular transition from stopgap to cornerstone. Stopgap are terrible at razors, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've cut my face so much using a stopgap razor. But fortunately... Uh, Haskell no longer has a ripped up face from a stopgap razor. And no. He, he, as the Telegraph Rugby uh, have reported, has has made the transition to Cornerstone. So, so should you. The best razor on the market, uh, beating Gillette, uh, Wilkinson Sword, stopgap. Uh, it was voted the best razor at the GQ Awards. Do you know what I did? I actually got my, my, my dad one for Father's did Day. Did you really? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something now. I did that read for Cornerstone yesterday. And I actually could not remember the other razor brands that, because Cornerstone is so so fully involved in my life now. Yeah, exactly. Gillette and someone. Um, and do you, know, know. do you know what the cheap thing is? I, I, I can say this because I'm not. My dad only very occasionally listens to this podcast. But um, I, so basically, I, sp- I spent four quid on 
his Father's Day present, and Ooh. he was absolutely buzzing <laughs> because it, it it was like he was like you you. I sent him a personalised engraved aluminium precision engineered shaft mm-hmm. and a load of clobber. And, uh, and it was four quid because there's the £10 discount which you can get on your first order with Cornerstone by going to cornerstone.co.uk slash eggchasers, cornerstone.co.uk slash eggchasers. Get the best, ignore the rest. Uh, or, so it's cornerstone.co.uk slash eggchasers or... Uh, sorry, egg10 at checkout. Yeah. Right. Um, we're going to talk about all the rugby that's happened this weekend, and there's been a lot of it. Uh, but like I say, we're going to we're going to talk, talk less than we did, uh, less than about England than the other games because we did a whole podcast dedicated to that one. So go and listen to that one as well. Um, but have you got Phil on Skype? Should we dial him in? I will dial him in now. Wait there. Um, hello, Philip. Come in, Philip. Hello, Tim. This is Philip coming in. Phil, uh, did you see any rugby on your travels over? Uh, yes, I did, Tim. I managed to catch uh, all of the England game and most of the Ireland game, although I was a little bit sleepy during the Ireland game. Just just to confirm, you saw all of England, most of Ireland. Correct, Tim. OK, I think that the decision I'm thinking then is we'll start talking about England. Let me just check with my uh, assistant co-host here. <laughs> JB, that, that OK with you if we start with Ireland? Let's start with Ireland. Let's start with Ireland. Oh, it's heartbreaking, wasn't it? Heartbreaking. It was. It was. And that that first half, I mean, I I didn't expect them to repeat the heroics of last week, but that first half was almost better than the performance last week. It was absolutely sensational. Yeah, it was. um, It seemed inevitable in that second half. I think after the, the, um, I can never say his name, big fella plays the centre. I want to say Di Holande. Di Holande. Di Holande. He's a monster. Is he, he, is he, he's not the model one. Who's the model? Or is that him? No, well, there's quite uh, a few model-looking ones, isn't there? There is um, the one who never... Engelbrecht. Pl- and Engel- Engelbrecht, Goodness JJ. me, he's handsome. Um, <laughs> well, they, they, they're a funny nation, South Africa. They go from these kind of slightly odd-looking blonde fellas, of which two of them scored try this week, tries this weekend, all the way over to the other extreme, which is the Engelbrechts. And there's nothing really in between. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, just lots of meatheads is the other one. Yeah, lots, true. Lots of yeah. steak-eating meatheads. But the uh, the the Alande try or whatever is uh, that felt to me like the straw that broke the broke the camel's back because he yeah. went straight through the defence. I think he must have gone through three tacklers. He's so powerful. It was Murray and Trimble who tried to tackle him, and it was you could see they were just exhausted. They were absolutely done, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was just sort of the manner that he went through. He played like a sledgehammer all game. Yeah, and eventually, after running down a... Well, running into brick walls most of the game, he eventually cracked it and got through. And it, it was a very well-taken try, but it was because of the island, because they were shattered. They were absolutely exhausted from defending like that for 80 minutes or 76 minutes up to that point. I think it sort of demonstrated that both the England game and the the Ireland game sort of demonstrated the importance of tactical tactical replacements in international yeah. rugby now. And, and I think, I mean, as you say, they were out on their feet, so may, arguably changes need to be made, but... I thought Quinn Rue was sort of taken off and it, it stopped the momentum when Donica Ryan came on for him. And uh, it just, Ireland just didn't have that, that class to, to come on and make that impact. 
Agreed, agreed. And the the pack, it, in the pack, you can see they didn't quite replace like with like, and they tired. Um, they've got some good players on the bench, but players with inexperience like like Bielam and, and Sean Reedy, both good players, virtually no experience of international rugby. Yeah. Um, so to come on, it, it's a big ask for them to go against that humongous South African well, pack. We say humongous. I mean, there are obviously some names that I know, but most most of these guys are almost they're not unknown, but they're certainly not regular Springbok names. Who on earth is Frank de Klerk? Combrink as well, the Punisher. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> I, now was that his debut? I want to say yes. I want to say yes. I think as well. I think it was. Um, I, like he's the one they were calling the Punisher, right? That is the, exactly Which the one. Is, isn't that the same name as an adult toy? Got no idea, mate. <laughs> it's like having uh, one of the players called the Rabbit. <laughs> wow. There's a Marvel. There's a Marvel or DC, whichever it is. That I get might confused. be what I'm thinking of, Phil. Rather than an adult, adult <laughs> it's toy. It's definitely a comic type publication that he's bought from a news agents before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm still working out if this uh, South Africa team is any good. I'm not entirely sure Ireland are that good. It's hard to say. It's hard to say because a lot of these players I don't really know. And I know Ireland are kind of running on fumes because they've taken a lot of players who typically wouldn't start and they're having to go quite deep into their squad just to get through the game. And for that reason, um, I reckon people will look back on this tour, whatever happens in Test 3, and I think they'll go all out for a win because they have they have let some players get some gas back in the tank uh, but with that selection over the weekend. But I think whatever the result in Test 3, that there'll be a lot of positives because of the number of players they're losing and the experience and the, well, the... the the talent that some of those unproven international players have shown against a really good team in South Africa in their own backyard. So definitely, positive. definitely. Huge, huge positives to take for this from Ireland. Well, the win last week was one of the best wins I've ever seen. I, I really think it's right up there with the uh, the Japan performance against South Africa, just because they were just wow. 14 men for so long. Um, I, I think there's huge, huge positives to take all around. And like you say, some of the boys who are getting experience, it, it's massive. And and also, one of the big positives to take, Paddy Jackson has been superb. I know he threw an intercept last week, but besides that, he's been superb in both fixtures. And so to have another international class 10 behind Johnny Sexton and even pushing Johnny Sexton uh, is only good for the nation. Right, it is a question. It got raised on Twitter. I'll, I'll maybe see if I can find the person who tweeted it in. But they said... What are the chances that Johnny Sexton won't be one of the three fly halves that goes on the Lions tour next year with Farrell Ford bigger ahead of him? Good question. In a year's uh, time, I think unlikely is my my current opinion because he's still the elder statesman, isn't he? He can do everything kind of Farrell and Ford can do if you like. Of course, he doesn't yeah. have the big game mentality of bigger. Doesn't have the big shoulders either, but you know, <laughs> no. he never has. It's hard to say, actually. I mean, one of them's going to have to be left behind out of those four. If I was taking three, I would take uh, Sexton, Farrell, Bigger right now. Yeah, I think, I the, think I'd agree. Not- the only question would be whether you, you take four because Farrell can be, well, arguably he's the best or second best inside centre as well as being one of the top three tens. So you could possibly take four and use Farrell as a centre option. You could do, but I don't think he is the best option at centre. I think the best option at centre is still probably Roberts, but also you know, Scott yeah. have got some nice options. And actually, anyone who plays in Ulster. <laughs> yeah, on. one, of, pick one pick. of five from Ulster. Because Stuart Alding was brilliant in that game. Again, he was okay. you, would, you swap, you take... Would you not have preferred, preferred to see Marshall? 
I would I would have probably preferred to see Marshall, and he was Marshall was superb last week. They're, they're slightly different players, even though they look a little bit similar, similar stature. Mm. Um, Marshall is a bit more direct. Alden has a bit more guile and cunning and skill. But it's, it's good to see both of them getting international game time. Well, shall we move on from a disheartening loss to an utterly disheartening loss? Shall we talk quickly about Wales? <laughs> and I mean very quickly. Just just briefly, uh, do, do you know, Phil, where the, the third test for Ireland is? You know all this sort of information and stuff. Because is it at sea level? <laughs> I've, I've wished... I don't... I've... The fixture list I've got in front of me doesn't tell me that information, unfortunately. No. I thought you'd have done your research, even though you're on holiday. I thought you might have done. But uh, <laughs> fair enough. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can get that bit of information as well. But yeah, let's talk Wales. Uh, what's going I wish it, games were 40 minutes long when Wales were playing. Pathetic. It's they'd, just, they'd be world beaters. For... It's just horrible. We've had a horrible week. We start the week losing to New Zealand. We then lose to Crusaders, which let's not talk about that full stop. Uh, <laughs> we then lose to England in football, and now we lose to New Zealand again. It's oh, just did you watch horrendous. the England Wales football match? Watch bits of it. Yeah, uh, I was working, unfortunately. I, I mean, I don't want to get into football. I, I don't want to get into football. Full stop. It's just the whole thing has just been a miserable, miserable weekend. Can I make? Can I be really honest and make an admission? Yeah, go for it. I, I was on a train when the England Wales match was on football. All oh, right, and, okay. Uh, which is so, so, well, that's so, lucky as it's a rugby podcast. Well, yeah, no, no. But what, <laughs> the point I'm saying is I, f- I felt a bit guilty because there's a little bit of me that wanted England not to win. I kind of don't want them to do well. I want all the spotlight to be on the rugby team. Um. Anyway. Yeah, uh, I don't really care. No. It, it just hasn't just <laughs> hasn't really come up, on, uh, come up on, on my radar whatsoever, really. We've got more important things to deal with, with uh, three, well, four internationals on one weekend. And, and the rest. And the under-20 competition, yes. Oh, my word. Oh, yeah, all the Before rest we the talk rugby. about Wales, let's talk about the second best game of the weekend. I don't know if you saw this. The top 14 semi-final with Racing in it. Oh, my. Racing Claremont was one of the best games I have seen I in a long time. <gasps> the end, right? I, I'll just tell you about the end because you've never seen an ending like it. Um, Claremont kicked the ball. Uh, they kick it dead. It's not dead. They kick it into touch. Racing pick up the ball, um, and then they take a quick line-out. The quick line-out is intercepted by a Claremont player. How often do you see a... a, a <laughs> right? And this is in extra time, so they're already in extra time. So the Claremont player is now galloping towards the line. He is tackled, but he's only tackled. There's no ruck formed. So the scrum half gets there, the scrum half wings it, but one of the flankers has realised there's no ruck formed and intercepts the ball between the scrum half and the fly half. Goes into contact, unloads it to the to the fullback who runs the length of the pitch and scores. You couldn't make wow. it up. Two of the most unlikely plays you'll ever see on on a rugby field. Awesome. Well, it, over the weekend, did I see right that um, Lee Halfpenny? Like, bear in mind we're at the end of June, nearly. Um, Lee Halfpenny returned to the rugby field to play for Toulon against Montpellier on Saturday. Is that right? Yeah, and he looked, he looked quite good as well. He did. First game, first game since uh, middle of September, the, the World Cup warm-ups, it was. So the countdown's now beginning to the time, the next time he tackles someone with his face. But, well, uh... I mean, I don't think he's that big, is he? I mean, I know he's not that big, but like in real life terms, what was he, like Phil size or something? Uh, probably uh, even a bit, he... more sta- a bit more stacked, I would have said. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit tall. I think he's 5'10 and maybe 85 kg. He's not... Uh, maybe eight... Maybe 87 kg. You have to that be working kind of pretty size. hard to be 85 kg lean at that, yeah. that height. So if you think about how hard he works, well, not how hard he works, but how he plays the game, and he's a fearless tackler. I think he had some stats, uh, one of the Six Nations, where he didn't miss a tackle. 
Uh, and I think it's inevitable that players like that are going to get seriously hurt and be out for long periods of time. Look what happened to me. Exactly, Phil. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me. But it, it does raise an important point, which Bourgeois keeps on mentioning, which is I pay these players a lot of money and you take them for your international teams and it's quite frankly not on because, you know, I'm bankrolling it all. I know, and it's uh, really great that he's moaning about that after the international rules are well in place and then he signed a contract which uh, complies with it as well. It's like crying over spilt milk, though, isn't it? Yeah, maybe, maybe a little. But it's like um, something which... Uh, we, we were saying this the other day, that non, uh, non-Tier non 1 players are going to be worth a fortune soon because they don't yeah. go away for tours. Well, the Georgia team that uh, just beat Tonga at the weekend, 23-20, in Tonga, um, were missing a load of their French stars. Yeah. Um, and and still managed to travel to Tonga. Admittedly, the Tongans were also missing a few French play, players who play in France. Well, but yeah. That, that's a... I mean, I think in, in the semis, there was a Georgian scrum half, a Georgian fly half, a, uh, two Georgian props at least. So there's... At least two oh, Georgian props. and that Georgian flanker, the one that looks like a gangster nearly ended someone. <laughs> oh, the Claremont, uh, the Claremont guy. Oh my god, the guy whose whose um chest hair is very similar in both volume and curliness to his head hair. Do you, <laughs> do you know the guy I mean? He he came in and he annihilated their tight head prop. I mean absolutely annihilated him. It it it, it was it was good to see. <laughs> Right, sorry, awesome. I've, I've gone well off. Should we talk about Wales? Yeah. You know, so I was in transit during New Zealand-Wales. I've seen a couple of highlights, but Jay, can you talk me through it, please? Uh, there's not really much to say, to be fair. I mean, uh, I will concede this. Wales definitely went away from a narrow game plan for the first 10 minutes, 100%. And yeah. then it is almost like it was almost like a conversation happened, which is, we're going to do this, it works well. And the, and the New Zealanders went, yes, it is working well, we're going to stop it. And then we went, right, we're now out of ideas. And then we got hammered for the next God knows how many minutes. We did very well to go in at the half 10 all. Um, but after that, we just ran out of ideas. We don't have the depth. I think that's the most important thing. We can play tight. We can play wide. It doesn't really matter. If you look at the England game and the Ireland game, the, the replacements made the difference. Who is going to come on the field yeah. for Wales? Who's going to make that difference? There's, there's a theme emerging here. And Steve Hansen, the New Zealand coach, he's, he's been, this has been one of his mantras for a long, 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 long time, saying it's a 23-man game now. It's a 23-man game. And that, this weekend, showed up massively mm. in, through all the games. I just fear for Wales. I fear for Wales. Once Gatland goes, we're going to be basically a little bit better than Italy and nothing more. Oh, I, I think that's that's a little bit unfair. You'll still be better than France. Well, don't know, don't know what happens when all you know. A lot of our stars are getting like to thirty plus. I mean, Gethin's on on the way out. Jamie is approaching thirty. JD is approaching thirty. A lot, a lot of the lads, um, they're getting up there in age. And once they go, I, I don't know if the future's that bright. Well, you talk about that, and, and you say that they did definitely. Again, they were trying to play a, a bit more positively. But have you noticed? Uh, I don't know whether you've noticed, but I've certainly reading more and more Welsh voices coming out critical of Warren Gatland and yep. Gwyn Jones being one of them. He said that, I mean, obviously, because the context of this is they got absolutely pumped by the Chiefs midweek as well. That was, oh, um, my word. That was yes. embarrassing. Yep, it really was. That was embarrassing. He said that Wales must start following New Zealand's creative lead instead of talking about going through the phases, playing 
in the right areas and earning the right to go wide. He's basically saying that these phrases, which are kind of Warren Gatlin-style mantras, are he says these are myths. They're quite almost like limiting beliefs. They're they're limiting what the players can and and do do. And he, he doesn't think they're real things. And I hope that this evolution, which I think we're seeing, continues because I think that's the Wales' best chance. I don't think it can continue. Um, I don't think it can continue for a couple of reasons. Uh, the, the Welsh public are in love with this uh, notion of you know the great teams of the seventies. The fact of the matter is, you can't just go out there and fling a ball around and hope it works. You need a Gatlin to put your structure in place, and you need your patterns, and you need all these things. I mean, it's nice for Gwyn Jones to say that, and I don't know. Uh, what involvement he still has in the game, but you simply can't just say, "Oh, go out there and you know toss it around." It, it's not possible. It's simply not not possible. Well, I'll put it like I'll put it like this. Um, so you just used the phrase pattern, and Gwyn Jones says the game plan is called pattern within the camp, and it's a philosophy that's been a con- that's been constant under Warren Gatland. That monotonous sequence of running the same way with a single pass to a runner to be continued to the touchline before changing direction, going through the phrases in inverted commas, by its very nature implies the objective is not to make a break, create space, make the defence think or even score a try. It's a process that players go through while waiting for something else to happen. After 25 minutes in the second half against the Chiefs, Wales had recycled the ball 80 times. Waikato had done so six times. Gatlin's men were losing 12-7 at halftime. Hmm. Well, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I I just don't think you can say we're going to play with no structural pattern. I think you'll get absolutely taken to pieces. On the other hand, if there was a guy to replace Catlin, there's only one one guy that I would even consider at the moment, uh, and that is Dave Rennie, who is head coach of the Chiefs. So maybe from that angle, Gwyn Jones is is onto something. Just just one for you two. If Catlin went, who would you replace him with? Good question. Oh, Who would do a better job? He's got to do, got to come in. You've got to be fairly certain he'll do a better job from off the, off the bat. So I don't particularly want Wales to do very well. So I'd go for Stuart Lancaster. Oh, <laughs> marvellous. Marvellous <laughs> choice. Um, oh, do you know what? That's a really good question. <laughs> Wales have had some, had some really unsuccessful coaches well, down the years. They have. And can I just say this? Everyone says, get rid of Gatland, he's no good, blah, 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 blah. We've ha- we've actually tried with the so-called best coach in the world. In fact, we've had two of them. We've had Graham Henry and Steve Hansen. And Gatland, I think, has done better than both. Uh, they certainly ne- never won any Grand Slams. Yeah. It's very easy to be the best coach in the world when you're coaching the All Blacks. I reckon I'd be pretty good coaching the All Blacks. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think, I think the three of us could basically get hammered all the time, do nothing, and the All Blacks would still be the best team no, in the world. No, but we'd have to come up with some stupid gimmick like, oh yeah, the lads are putting their own tape in, tape in the bin. Aren't, aren't they good boys? <laughs> just, yeah. just on the subject of gimmicks, like before I forget, because it's just reminded me, when I say gimmick, it's, you'd love it, as you want to be a coach, JB. Ben Ryan has put up on the internet one of the drills he does, offloading drills he does with his Fiji Sevens team. Oh, go on. And it's based on the Barcelona Rondo they call it Rondo uh, passing drill in football, and and it involves like three attackers, two defenders, mm-hmm. and you just have to keep passing the ball in in a tight, confined space. And and they do exactly the same yeah. drill: one ball, three attackers, two defenders, and if you get if you get pushed out of the square or you drop the ball or anything, you lose. But uh, and it's just a continuous offloading drill. It looks amazing when they do it. Uh, go, go and look at it online; it's brilliant. I will actually. Yeah, that's very exciting. Anyway, sorry. 
Yeah, so, I, I mean, that's the point I'm making with Gatland. It's all very well saying, let's get rid of him now. But there's literally no one I would, I would want more, except for maybe Dave Rennie. And even then, it's going to be a judgment call. Well, clearly, the players okay. love him. And he's... Um, he, I'm, not, I'm not saying Warren Gatland can't achieve this. All I'm saying is that when I read that piece by Gwyn Jones, it rang true. In, I, I don't know when New Zealand have ever gone through any phases for the sake of going through phases. They always are either... Well, there's, there's a little bit more intent with what they do. And that's that's all I'd like to see from Wales, is a bit more intent with what they do, which I think when they have shown that in the last two weeks, it's been really positive. Yeah, until it's get closed down and we get pumped by, I don't know, 15, 20 points. <laughs> yeah. So there is, that, there is that side of the story, which I think Gwyn Jones is conveniently missing. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. On, just on New Zealand-Wales, can we very briefly talk about the only two tries that I think I've seen, the Liam Williams try and the Jonathan Davis try? Yes, I remember the Liam Williams one very well. How does he do it? How is he so, so good? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Isn't he? Like, no one else puts on their boots and goes to war quite like Liam Williams. No that... one else puts on, puts on their boots, climbs on an invisible horse, and yeah. then goes onto the field. <laughs> but I mean, he's, I'm not being, he's clearly not the most physically gifted guy, is he? He's not George North or Surveyor. But God, he's yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, that try, that that line he cut, and then I was sure Dag was going to get him. Same. I, sure, I, was, I thought Dag was going to eat him up. And it's just the the acceleration and to maintain it over that distance was brilliant. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm such a huge fan of his. I, and every time he plays, he just seems to get better and better. It's almost like the attitude that he wants to come and play. Uh, he plays court, sort of like schoolboy rugby. In that, just the kind of enthusiasm and the aggression that he brings, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, we mentioned Lions fly halves. Would he be number one in the pecking order at the moment? Lions fullback? Um, not quite. I don't think. I, I mean, I'm look. If I pick a Lions squad tomorrow, I'm picking Good Good as my starter. But I'm I'm assuming I'm not allowed to do that because he's not he's not starting <laughs> for. Uh, I'd pick him over Mike Brown probably. Uh, Dave Corney's going to come back into the reckoning, isn't he? And Jared Payne. Yeah. Uh, Stuart Hogg's too good. Hog is good. Yeah. Hog's very, very good. And then the wings are just stacked. I mean, you've got to assume North will be on one wing. He's he he's a banker. Depending on how Bo is playing, he's he's never been dropped when available for lines. So you know the other uh, berth might go to him. You just mm. don't know. But uh, so on that basis, no. Unless he has some some great performances on tour. If they want to make sure they sell uh, more lions calendars. Um, in those tastefully shot where, where shadows and rugby balls in front of parts, then they'll they'll pick Tommy Bow over Liam Williams uh, for that <laughs> for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent, damn right, damn right. But yeah, interesting. No, but Liam Williams is fantastic. Oh, my favourite moment of the whole weekend, and I say that even you know having watched England win a historic series victory in Australia, Jonathan Davies fend on Tamana Valu. It was it was just like Jonathan Davies was going. Uh, the bus is full. <laughs> but it was, it was like awesome. a piston, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, Sit down. It didn't really do enough to uh, lift to lift my spirits at, at that point. <laughs> uh, how? Um, how do, I mean, we're going to talk about this further. How do you think they're going to go on in the um, uh, in the third test? Because I've got a feeling it's going to be traumatic for us, like serious, serious trauma. Do you think New Zealand will rest a few people? Will blood a few a few more people? Maybe, they, but that's not going to help they've... us. 
I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, what are they going to do? They're going to give some game time to RD Surveyor. Oh, thanks, lads. <laughs> thanks for being so kind. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I, I, I tell you what, if they rest Cruden and bring on uh, Bowden Barrett, oh, he may. It was Bowden Barrett, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Oh, he just made. He it is. Uh, he's he's great with ball in hand, isn't he's he? He's one of those rare players that's better off the bench than he is starting. Like an uh, like an Ole Gunnar uh, Solskjaer. Yeah, uh, Solskjaer. yeah. He's he, so good. They've yeah. been using him off the bench for for like three years now. Yeah. Do you remember the the try he scored in one of the best games of all time? Uh, New Zealand, South Africa, in South Africa oh, yeah. for the rugby championship. Sorry, uh, I, I thought you meant Broughton Park Eccles in the playoffs. I'm sure he wasn't. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't picked. Rugby championship final game, the decider about three years ago when he scored the try in the final minute, and it was just one of those absolutely monumental battles. Uh, ended up something like 36-42. Uh, no, I can say I I sincerely do not remember that try. Oh, brilliant. Go back and look at it. I'll, I'll show you next week when I'm back. Do, do you know what's frightening, though, in, in terms of, like, you talk about depth of talent? Like, New Zealand's population is very similar to Wales, right? But I think it might be smaller. For the first time ever, their under-20s didn't make the semi-finals of yeah. the under-20 championships. Um, it's going to be England yeah. v South Africa and Argentina versus Ireland in the semi-finals tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, or Monday... Depending on when this went out or when you're listening right now, it was on Ooh. Monday. Well, yeah. Well, no, this will be Tuesday. But I'll just say something about about the about the under twenties. You you've been exposed to it this yeah. This week. How big is this setup, by the way? Like the whole thing is it's basically a pro tournament. Yeah. It. it I was I was interviewing a Welsh under twenties coach, and I walked into the Ireland team room by accident, which is they're staying in the same same hotel, and the whole thing is just full of like protein. Uh, you know, they obviously all. Uh, they obviously all have have their own, their own menu. There's like um, whiteboards everywhere with with things on, you know, uh, grids and patterns. The whole thing is like a serious serious setup. It's basically full pro. Absolutely. Well, yeah. yeah. And one of the guys for New Zealand under twenty, Geordie Barrett. Now watch out. Okay. He looks exactly like his big brother, and he is such a talent. And but and also, if you want to talk, you mentioned you went into the island dressing room. The island prop Andrew Porter is a, a hell of a specimen. You've, you've had Kean Healy, Jack mm-hmm. McGrath. Andrew Porter is uh, so uh, one to watch out for. Defo, defo. But yeah, George, so Did yeah, you... New Zealand have got Geordie Barrett just cruising around at twelve in a New Zealand under twenty jersey, and I fully expect him to be an All Black. Who do you think is years. the most impressive player that you've seen in the under twenties so far? Oh man, that's a tough question. Um, Can I? Because so I, I think I think I know the answer. I know what the the pros have been saying, but I'd be interested to see what you guys think. Well, I've only seen a handful of games. Tim, you've seen a lot more than me. Yeah. Um, the best player that I've seen is the Australian fly half. Is it? Is it Mason? Yes. The one who, who wears a scrum cap. Look, he, they're they're kind of so he, he wears a scrum cap. He plays a little bit like Matt Gitto. He looks a little bit like Matt Gitto, and they're they're actually talking about him as being the future Matt Gitto. In the England game, which Australia lost in the last few minutes, he was the best player in the park. The guy that everyone is um, is going on about, and it won't surprise you when I say his name, but the general consensus is uh, Harry, Harry, Harry Malander, Malander is is world class and will be a, a world class twelve. Well, 
Well, Malinder was playing directly opposite this Australian lad. I think it's Mason, but I can't actually remember. Mm-hmm. He was playing 10 directly opposite him, and Malinder didn't have a great game. He kicked sticks quite well, but didn't have a great game, and this Mason guy had a superb game. If you could, if you get to catching the highlights of that, the try that he set up for the fullback in the first first 30 seconds, I think it was, was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So watch out, watch out for him. So you're, you're worried about Wales getting a, an absolute thumping then, JB? 100%. I think we're going to get absolutely smashed. All right. Well, I'll, I'll maybe pause and try and cheer you up a little bit on, okay. on that sour note. Because, please, please do. Because James Haskell's been making more videos from hotel rooms. Um, <laughs> did you, did you, just before you do that, did you see his Instagram post this morning um, of him with Billy, Billy Vanapola in bed? And oh. he's got like a full DJ set, full decks oh, set up in the hotel no, room. No. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. Is it worth getting up? It's definitely, definitely. Go on Haskell's Instagram. I think he tweeted it as well. It's definitely worth looking at. It is a full, like it looks like a very, very expensive piece of kit that he's got alongside him. He's taken to, New, uh, to Australia. How much do you need to practice yeah. your DJing? That's what I want to know. James Haskell, here we go. <laughs> Let's have a look. Him and Billy in bed. Oh my god, yeah, Billy Vanapola's in bed. And he's got he's got full <laughs> decks. Recovering with a few tunes whilst Big Billy V rests oh, up. No. <laughs> and, and what's amazing, and you look you look at the comments, and we started saying it as or I started saying it as a joke a few weeks ago, but people are saying are using the phrase DJ Hask. I reckon that's some of our listeners that are following him on Instagram calling him DJ Hask. Uh, some of it, what else do you think they would call them to call him Tim? Well, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It wasn't the, it wasn't DJ the most uh, cryptic <laughs> nickname, was it? <laughs> uh, but what he's also been doing, I'm going to play you this. So uh, he's been doing some videos backstage. And oh, by the way, um, so obviously now I work on Virgin Radio because yeah. c- I got binned off of uh, XFM because they wanted to replace me with Chris Moyles. Bad mistake. I, I think so. But, you know, you know, each to his own. No, I, no hard feelings. But um, Vernon Kay is also on that station. And he has a, a gig, which I think, I think I'd be better at, which is doing all the behind-the-scenes stuff with the England players. What? I, you know, I'm making a plea out there. I, th- I'm, I'm, I reckon, you know, Vernon Kay loves his American football, not his rugby. He's, he's very knowledgeable in American football. I'll give him that. Yeah. I, I, I could do the job with rugby anyway. He plays safety, you know, for the... Uh, London whatever team. London, uh, and there's Olympians, there is... I was it Gladiators or something? London? Anyway, um, every year he makes a team, and it's one of the most competitive teams in all of the UK. They, apparently they turn away like 100 people per year. And I do wonder, like, I wonder if a 40-year-old old man who's not exactly built for, you know, athletic p- pursuit gets picked purely on merit. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. He's 40 okay. years old. No, but the point, oh, that was a very long-winded way of me actually saying, just give the job to James Haskell. Just why don't the RFU just say, James, you do all our behind-the-scenes stuff because he gets stuff like this out of Jamie George. So his roommate, Jamie George, uh, he's having a natter with and he gets Jamie George to tell a story about a time he got in the ring boxing with... Well, he doesn't actually... The only way he describes him is he said it was someone... When he was just coming through at Saracens, through towards the first team, he said it was someone who had just come back from the Olympics. Now, speculating, everyone seems to be suggesting it's James DeGale, British Olympic gold medalist. Oh, OK. And this is the story about... Uh, Saracens sent him there to go and get fit and toughen him up a bit. And uh, this is the story that Hask managed to get out of Jamie George. Let me just spin it forward to the good bit. Okay. There we go. Here we go. 
Right, there you go. So he's in the ring with this person who he hasn't named, but the spe- people are speculating it's James DeGale, and he's just sparring for a few rounds. And we got through the first one fine. He was just like sort of showing me some stuff. It was pretty cool because um, obviously that's like the first time I'd done it. And then the next the next round came in, and he was like, he was like, yeah, yeah show me this. I think you got to do this. So I ended up like getting a bit carried away, and I banged him in the stomach because he wasn't expecting it. I threw the haymaker, mate, right. feather mitts, must have connected a stunful of feather mitts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I yeah. smashed him straight in solar places, yeah. and it obviously winded him a bit. And he was like, so then suddenly, mate, I just saw this like red mist come over his eyes, like he had just he was just gone. He started like storming around the ring, like back and forth, and I was like. Sorry, sorry, like, mate, mate, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Literally, next next thing I know, the bloke comes over and just goes, bang, 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 bang! Literally, <laughs> game over, mate. Like, game over. Knocked out. Completely knocked out. Yeah. And I, and I happened to wipe myself. Okay, okay, let's just, let's just clear this up, okay? He got knocked <laughs> out, and then he pissed his pants. And just tell everyone what the first thing you saw when you, you opened your eyes. Someone mopping his piss up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, in an era of head traumas, sending your player, <laughs> your your future star, to get knocked out by a professional boxer, I'm not sure that's a great idea. An Olympic gold medalist <laughs> just turning pro, pro boxer. Um, I've got a, a quick question for you, which is sent in by one of our listeners. Um, can you name the state school that provided three players for the starting England... Not. Uh, England 15. I can't do it. I don't know the answer. I definitely won't get the school. But do you know who the three players are? All went to the same school. Same school. Three starters. <clears throat> I reckon it'll be somewhere up north with Danny Kerr. Uh, no, no. Starters. Oh, starters. Yeah. That's a good one. Maybe it is up north. Oh, because... That's quite... Oh, where, where is everyone from? No, they're all quite like London boys, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I thought that. So my initial thought on this was maybe it's like the Vunapolas and Owen Farrell. Do you know when they come through the academy, they might have like a special uh, like a school where they go... <laughs> a special or, you know, school, careful. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, something like that. Uh, but didn't they come through different academies? Because Billy was Wasps, wasps and yeah. Marco was Bristol. Exactly. So I thought maybe Billy, George Billy Cruz, went to Harrow, didn't he? Billy went to Harrow. As did, a, did as, as did a, as, a Toji. Did a Toji? Yeah, did, did, did Maro? Toji did as well. I'll move. There's another one at Harrow then. But yeah, but I'm but sure the question was a state school. school. You, and I'm pretty sure Harrow, school. last time I checked, is fairly substantial. I think it might, but yeah, it is might it? be slightly uh, privately funded. It I'm not sure. Let me just be. check. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I honestly don't know like who these players are. In fact, I can't. I'm not even sure I can name three lads educated in state school for. Was Mike Brown not? Mike Brown strikes me as the sort of lad that would be. Yeah, but I think Mike Brown went to um, went Scrapper. to a school with a friend of mine, and I'm sure that was a private he did. school. He went to the same school as uh, Nick South- Jackman in uh, Southampton, I think. So I, honestly, I have no idea who um, who this who this would be. Ford and Farrell presumably moved around quite a bit in school. They, I can't imagine they went to a single school for the whole of their their seven years or five years or whatever they did. Uh, so well, maybe. Maybe they went to the same school as someone else for a period. Yeah. Anyway, I have no idea. Well, there you go. Put that one out. At Rugby Podcast, tweet us if you've got the answer. A little bit of a teaser. If you know the answer, you can work it out. Something for you to work on. Okay. Do you want to do a quick who am I before we talk about next week's games? Good idea. All right, then. This is a really tough one. I've deliberately 
then it's tough, all right? Okay. Will we have heard of this person? 100%, but you won't get him. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, current age, 33, as opposed to past age, because that'd be stupid. Um, place of birth is Leicester, uh, and he plays in the, in the centre. No takers yet. Center thirty three, Leicester. Uh, he keep, keep going. Okay, first first team was Loughborough Students, and then he has also played abroad for. Oh, sorry, he's played abroad for a, a period of time, and he also played at Harlequins. He's played for England five times. Damn it, that's not the one I was thinking. Then, uh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, is it? Ollie, Ollie Smith. Hang on. Who said first? I said Dan Hipkiss. It is not Dan Hipkiss. Is it Ollie Smith? It is Ollie Smith. Yeah! Well oh, get in. I don't think you'd ever get uh, He's Ollie... a coach now, right? He's a... I don't know what he's doing. He was a coach in France, I think. Well, or... let's have a look. No, he was massively hotly tipped. Um, he was like one of the stars of an under... England under-21s back in the day, and he was really hotly tipped. Oh, and Leicester he... liked him a lot. Yeah, Leicester loved him. He played in their first team. Then he got a really bad knee injury, I think. That's right. Uh, he did some mountain walking or something, something ridiculous, like try- trying to get fit. And the rumour was he left England because he wasn't getting picked for the England team due to Andy Robinson having four... Uh, a far too complex game plan. So apparently there's so many defensive calls, like there'd be like six defensive calls for the halfway line, six on the 10 metres, six... I'm making this up. I don't know exactly what... He what wasn't letting like. the boys play. Yeah, he wasn't letting the boys play. And Ollie Smith couldn't process it, so he went, right, I'm going to go to Montpellier and get paid. Which is exactly what Joe Marler should do. He should go to, Montpe- go to Montpellier or go to France and get paid and just leave this England lot. Uh, oh, to no. Their, you, the thing is, now the Premiership's got enough money that... You don't need to go to France to get a payday if you're good, and you, then you don't need to get put, put through the top 14 sausage factory. Well, that sounds like like a dodgy phrase. I mean, you know what I mean? The meat grinder that would have been a better phrase. Oh yeah, <laughs> the sausage meat. factory. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the meat grinder sounds like uh, you know some sort of dance that you do and do on Canal Street. But still, um, <laughs> I would say yes. Usually, I'd agree with you. But if he stays in this country, all he's going to do is rack up fines from the RFU. So he'd be so great. just go over to France and say what you want. Well, why not go to money? why not go to Connacht? Go on. Just he could be their, one of their overseas players. Go to Connacht. Oh, hang on. What are the rules for overseas players? Yeah, yeah, you've, yeah. Fine, do it. Because they've got Jack McGrath and Keane Healy at the other side. I can't really imagine him enjoying his time in Connacht, like on the on the west coast of Ireland. It'd be a peculiar fit. It would. It would. Oh. So I would say France. I'd say France. Go to Toulon. Hey, or listen. Rushing. Well, oh. we've kept Phil waiting. He's as proud. If you're, I mean, you are as proud an Englishman as I am. You were hurting as much as anyone after the World Cup debacle. Uh, how did you feel when you watched that that England team performance? Well, I was particularly hurting as much as anyone because I was at the England Australia game when we got absolutely pumped. <laughs> yeah, you were, weren't you? That's right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you, yeah you've started winning. You know, I can't be so. Yeah. <laughs> that England Australia game at the World Cup was horrendous. We were absolutely taken apart, and just because of that, it feels brilliant to to get the two wins to get the series win. Uh, now I know you boys have already spoken about it. If you had to describe that word, or if you had to use one word to describe that game, what would you use? One word. Belligerent. 
belligerent. Yeah. I, yeah. Fortunate isn't really the right way to go because I don't believe they were fortunate. I think they worked very, very hard for it. But I don't think it's a game plan I'd want to repeat ever. Um, what was it? <laughs> Fortunate's too harsh. Um, stoic. Yeah, that's a good oh, word. Good. Stoic. Well, Great word. I would, I would describe it as, uh, and this is a huge compliment, as Saracens-esque. Not if that yet. Is a word. Not yet. It's getting there, though. It's getting there. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because Saracens just look so much more comfortable defending that than England do. England are getting there, though. Yeah. But if you run through the stats, which I obviously have done. Obvs. Oh, of course. Australia had twice as much possession, twice as much territory. They ran for twice as many metres. They ran the ball three times as many times, beat three times as many defenders. Uh, England made three times as many tackles. They missed, obviously three times as many tackles, although the ratio is still the same. Mm-hmm. The only time you see those that kind of statistics and the team on the wrong end of the, the statistics wins comfortably or, or uh, the, the score line is relatively comfortable is when Saracens are playing. You never see any other team doing it, and it was Saracens-esque. They just they soaked up the pressure, and I agree that they, they didn't look as comfortable as Saracens do, mm-hmm. but it was... Saracens-esque in, in my mind that's not a bad shout actually I mean I, you know me I don't like to make anything about myself and I'll try and limit my James Haskell talk to 20 minutes but <laughs> I mean what can you say what can you say about that performance uh, it was just for a guy who was widely written off by pretty much everyone he's been the star of the series two Rob games Shaw. running though I actually thought Robshaw wasn't as good as Haskell yesterday. Oh, no, I'm not having that. Well, he gave away two poor penalties and he could have got yellow carded. That would uh, be my criticism of him. Haskell gave away a few pens as well. If um, he gave f- away a silly one underneath the sticks. And one, what, the very first penalty mm. of the game he gave away. And he's a top tackler again. Yes, oh, yes. He was. I mean, look, I, you could have gone 1A, 1B. Well, do, well, do you know what? Do you know what? Actually, like, I, I don't think any... I don't, uh, I don't know anyone who suggested a change after the World Cup that hasn't been proven wrong. Because either you said, no, I really like James Haskell and you've been proven right. Or you said, like Phil and I did, we really, really rate Chris Robshaw and we've been proven right. But very few people, even who said that, also said, you know, I think England have got the right balance in the back row. I think they've got the right personnel in there. Who would have said that? No one said that. So what's different? I, I, I think I said it. I think I, I think it's pretty clear that Haskell is definitely the op- definitely the answer for England. In fact, I even said make him captain. He didn't go that far. We, we were joking, weren't we, <laughs> after the World Cup? Going, oh, I see. See the Eddie Jones revolution. Stuart Lancaster has Rob, uh, Haskell six, Robshaw seven. The revolution is here. Eddie, yeah. Eddie Jones has got <laughs> Robshaw six and Haskell seven. To be fair, I, I might have mocked him a, a, a little bit for that. <laughs> what, so what's different, Phil? What do you reckon? It's it's hard to say. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Can we all just agree Lancaster was useless? It, it, it does. It's, it's, it's hard it, to ta- deny it now, isn't it? No, I, I, I'm not prepared to say that. Of course you're not. No, what I'm prepared I, to say is for four years he did a good job. Stuart Lancaster did it. And remember, <laughs> no, no, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me just okay, briefly, yeah, yeah, let me enough, briefly yeah. go over the old guy. So the context of where Stuart Lancaster took over was a very, very different landscape to where Eddie Jones took over. So, okay. So that needs to be factored in. Where Stuart Lancaster took over from and took it to pre-World Cup, 
I think every, most England fans were like, he's done a re- he's done a good job. I d- no. I, I think most I think most people would have said he's done a good job. The he's never Ooh. ever he's never ever won a Premiership, won a cup, won a league. He's only ever won two games. Yeah, in, in the he's premiership. barely coached at the top level. He got the job by accident and was a refreshing positive force, and that's how come he got the job um, on a permanent basis. Uh, he was only ever meant to be the caretaker, but did very well. Took his chance, and good luck to him. However, he's never he's never been in the pressure cooker that Warren Gatland, Joe Schmidt, Vern Cotter, um, Steve Hansen, all all these guys have. Eddie Jones have. So when it came to a World Cup, he was like a rabbit in the headlights, and that was the RFU's fault as much as it was so his fault. In your mind, now he has been in the pressure cooker. He'd be perfect for Wales. I think he'd I think he'd do a better job yeah. if he got the chance again. Perfect. Yeah. No chance. <laughs> not a hope. Uh, I hope he does get a chance somewhere because well, I, he will get a chance, and it'll yeah. be in a school or an academy. Uh, it's so sad when you hear, "Oh, Stuart Lancaster came to visit." Like, what was he doing? Was he handing out his CV? I mean, well, he gave. Just... Uh, maybe that's the difference because he gave. Remember, remember, Eddie Jones sat down for a beer with Stuart Lancaster, and Stuart gave him loads of advice and all his thoughts. <laughs> and Eddie Jones just nodded politely the Thanks. whole time. Yeah. Thanks, Stu. I'll be using that. What's that, Stuart? I, Ask him to write on T-shirts. Okay, we'll be doing that. What a disaster. But a, a coach with pedigree and just, just getting... What he's getting out of these guys, the same group of players, is is amazing. Uh, not only that, Eddie Jones, uh, not to be not to be too rude or anything, uh, You know, feel free to shoot me down, he was pretty much on the scrap heap following, you know... Um, I mean, he, he took, over in, took over in Japan, but no one seriously considered him as a man who's going to come back to international rugby at a tier one level and then have the you know, one of the longest winning streaks of an England team. That was never on the cards pre-World Cup. No. No. Well, no one had heard of him for three years since he went to Japan. Yeah. And then he came out of nowhere. Uh, and, I mean, that, that South Africa-Japan game was a wake-up call for just about every, everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, so I, 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 it's... It's a damning indictment of of the Lancaster regime. I, I think. Yeah, I think it's. I think Andy Robinson, Martin Johnson, Brian Ashton, Stuart Lancaster, is a twelve year damning indictment of the Rugby Football Union and Rob Andrew and Co. Mm. I think that was actually that was the biggest, and and it took it took the humiliation of not getting out of your pool at your home World Cup for the the powers that be to actually wake up and smell the coffee yeah and let's face it not getting out the world cup with getting out your pool with what turns out to be a damn good team like yeah. everyone thought yeah yeah so. yeah uh how do you think we're going to get on this week then boys hold on is there, any, is there anything you just want to put that you picked up on during the game because um there's a few things we oh, didn't sorry. talk about on the green and gold um uh the podcast we did with the Green and Gold boys. Uh, there's one thing I noticed was uh, Michael Hooper had a Joe Launchbury moment. He got given a uh, the the Aussie Man of the Match award and had to stand there and uh, have his <laughs> picture taken. Which was, do you remember Launchbury that, is the, had that, after the, Wales that game? is the worst the worst award to get to receive the Man of the Match award on a losing team. Yeah, <laughs> especially especially when uh, Hooper actually made a couple of bad decisions when he was made captain in the second half when they had kickable penalties when it was still uh, 13-7 and he opted to go for the corner what? a couple of times. What? and Particularly it... the one in the corner right in front of the posts. Yeah, 
he had he had two he had two of, he had two of them and I think Stephen Moore had at least one um, where because of the the last the try in the last minute you kick those three and you win the game if the last try in the minute doesn't go over and it wouldn't because because of the the penalties because it would be a very different situation and more than that you just you make the you make it more nervous and more uncomfortable for England I just do mm. not understand what they were thinking. Well, they, they, they did it in the first half. They did it a couple of times in the first half. And one, they scored from the driving line out. And the other, just before half time, when it looked for all the world like they were going to score. And England's defence was resolute in the end. I think that was a, another pivotal moment. Them not getting at least three points on the board to level it up to, to 10 all just before half time when they had that, time, yeah. that sustained pressure and England's defence held out. Was, that was a really important mo- moment. I was sat watching the game uh, in the same coffee shop that I did the the the, the pod with the Aussie boys um, in because it's the only place in London now I could get Wi-Fi. And, uh, and at the end of that, I had my headphones in. And at the end of that little set when half time went, everybody in the whole place looked round at me because I just went, Yeah! really loud by the way JB no one one watches Wales in uh, rugby in North Wales from what I can gather not really no they're all into football aren't they they're all they all like to wear their Liverpool shirts and I mean that's half the population is just scousers which uh, couldn't hack it in Liverpool and thought they'd come down to the seaside quite frankly (laughs) scousers done good not even that. No, uh, Scousers <laughs> that thought that the housing agency in Wales are a soft touch, so they got on, got on the train from Runcorn and dropped themselves off in Colwyn Bay. They've all got RGC shirts, though, right? Nope, no, not even that. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing's been mentioned: the the New Zealand press have already picked up on ar- arrogant England because what they've done is they've picked up on the comments of Clive Woodward afterwards. Um, Clive Woodward said that. New Zealand will be watching England and will have sat up and will sit up and take notice now. And there's a couple of other comments been made that are probably not meant to be arrogant or anything, but the New Zealand press are like, oh, right, these England boys think they can take us now. The annoying thing is we, we're not playing them this winter, this autumn. Are you not? No. Oh, interesting. Didn't know that. So it's going to be a while before we actually Hang get on. to test Please test don't ourselves. say they're playing us again. I can't deal they with it. They will be then. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Enough already. Uh, you proved your point, boys. Do you think England are the heir apparent? Are they are they the closest, or are we just getting well ahead of ourselves here, Phil? Uh, closest Northern Hemisphere team. Well, hang on um, a second. It's not it's not South Africa. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see a bit more uh, England Australia because I think England. It's, it has been very, very close. If you replayed both those test matches, yeah. you could easily it could easily go the other way. Yeah, so I do. don't think I don't think there's uh, much at all between England and Australia, um, and we've simply not seen enough of England under Eddie Jones to say yes, they'll be challenging New Zealand, but they they are probably the closest. They're probably probably up there, not far away. Uh, and they're, they're, they're certainly from what we've seen recently, the best place Northern Hemisphere team to challenge. And I think it's right to point out, as you say, we've, we've, there's an element of us catching Australia cold. There's an element, element of us catching Australia in a little bit of a transition, not sure what to do in a few key areas. We should probably temper it. And we could go and get brought straight back down to earth in test number three. Yeah, if Australia put the points on the board that their territory and possession deserved in that half, if England miss a couple more tackles and Australia get a couple more half breaks, 
it could have been a complete reversal of score and it could have been 23-7 the other way or even more potentially. So uh, brilliant for England to win, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Just, I've got the um, autumn internationals for this, if you want to just hear what they are. Yes, please. Um, so uh. Wales play Australia, Argentina, a tier two nation to be confirmed, which ah. is cool, mm-hmm. and South Africa. So they don't play New Zealand, JB. Okay. Wales don't play New Zealand. Thank so. God. Uh, so we've got our four games as usual, have we? England play, yeah. England play South Africa, Fiji, Argentina, and Australia. That's a good mix. Ireland play Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and that appears to be it. Oh, because they've got Chicago as well. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, Chicago's the 5th of November, first first week of the... Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't see England losing against all six nations then, in that case. No. No, see, so oh, maybe All Blacks come and... I hope All Blacks come unstuck in the in the championship. I really do. And I hope I hope it's to Australia. Yeah, because they will... Their championship was reduced this year, so they only played each team once, didn't they? But now this time around, 2016, they'll be playing each team twice, home and away. Mm. So they'll have to travel to South Africa and travel to... Um, Australia so you'd, you'd expect them to lose one of those or probably more likely Australia game mm. yeah I, I think Australia can take them I really do uh, having yeah. seen them play, play against England because the All Blacks as good as they are their defence will not be as good as England's <sighs> yeah agreed agreed the, the, the boys playing in the Super Rugby week in week out simply will not be used to that kind of intensity no. I, I tell you what's in, a good in terms of defence tell you what's a good measure of it is how many tries have let they've let Wales score. I mean, England let Wales get a cheeky try right at the start and then just punished them. Um, New Zealand have actually been fairly uh, fa- fairly open to um, being exploited. Yeah. I mean, what have you scored? Three but, tries this week? Four tries the week, the week before? Mm. That's albeit nice. two of the tries this week were when the game was completely done and dusted. Still, got a, two. still got a score, but Mattel. The, the, agreed, agreed. So, yeah. So what New Zealand would do if they were playing England or Australia for that matter is they would just go we are gonna we've got our foot on your throat and we're just gonna stomp down hard uh, do you do you think England will keep it pretty much the same in terms of team selection or would you if you were in charge it's a difficult one it's the trade-off isn't it between blooding some of the younger guys um and uh, making sure you do kind of turn the knife, turn the screw, and get the the three nil whitewash. Yeah, in, in terms of in terms of sort of um, softening a blow if you do lose, and making it a hollow victory for Australia if they do win. If you blood a load of youngsters, you've got that ready made kind of yeah. Well, you didn't beat us. Yeah. Uh, but then again, if you go for it and win three nil, then that's a massive statement. Um, quick question now, on that: Who are they going to play at seven? Now Hask is not available. Yeah, Haskell's out. I, would, I was just going to mention that. Um, I would personally want to see Tamina Harrison. I would. I think the fact Clifford uh, was on the bench and came on. Yeah, yeah. But Clifford Clifford is better suited to the bench because he can cover six, seven, and eight. I mean, Tamina Harrison can also cover six, seven, and eight. Uh, so that's maybe a silly thing to say. The other one but we're I, not considering is someone else into second row and Marrow to six. And then has, uh, Rob Shaw to seven. Yeah. 
Ooh, I just well, think are you not like are you not trying to anger the the rugby gods there though? Well, when they um when they took the replacements off and brought on who was the second row replacement? Sorry, I forget. Oh, Launchbury. Laws, Laws, and Launchbury. Launchbury, what, Launchbury what, and Laws were both on the yeah. bench. It went with a six-two split. When they brought Launchbury and Laws and on and Clifford on, it was Robshaw and Haskell that went off. Yeah, well, look, I'm not a um, superstitious bloke, right? But it hasn't worked very well with uh, Rob Shaw in a seven jersey. So here's my... my well, ad- just be the South African. Keep him in a six jersey, but yes. put him on the open side. Exactly. Put him in a four jersey, put him in a one jersey, any, and just let him play there. <laughs> see if you can just sneak him in and see if you can sneak him underneath the radar. <laughs> uh, and then and- Launchbury. I mean, why not bring Launchbury? Bloody hell, it's a, it's, a, it's a good pack. It is. And the, the other injury, I believe, Jack Knowles, a question mark as yeah. well. Yeah, and that's not a huge one, actually. You know, so what if your wing is not quite available? Just get the Bumblebee bring back, back in. Yeah, yeah, bring back Yard. Uh, have they got any other wing options? Good and Mike Brown onto the wing. Yeah, that's never going to happen in a million yeah. years, I don't think. I'd like to see Good get a game. And do, are, we, are we finally going to see Ben Tail? I, what, this is what I wonder, will we? I'm not, I'm not sure we will. So, and this is what I mean by pay, right. If he doesn't play, peak tail. Uh, ha, I think it's happened because he's going to return to his club at Worcester, and we're not going to see the Ben Tail that runs over Treviso and mm. uh, Z uh, and Zebra. He's going to be in a bottom half of the table team, getting pounded by Saracens, by Leicester, by Northampton, by Exeter. It's going to be really difficult for him to shine enough to get back into the England setup. Is my opinion. I agree. I think it will be difficult, but there are there is a shortage of twelves, and, and Farrell playing there obviously proves that. And and pre and pre tests, you were all about Big Luth over Benteo, and yeah, I think he's blown. He's blown. Probably blown his chance. I don't think we'll ever see Big Luth again. Short, uh, you know, unless there's a complete and utter disaster. Um, you know, every, every other twelve is not available. I, I think he's pretty much done as an uh, as an international. Poor Big Luth. Poor, poor, poor Big Luth. Bless him. Um, right, here's a question, because after the win yesterday, the bookies got a surge of bets on Eddie Jones being, becoming, being the next Lions coach, so much that, so that his, his odds dropped from 33-1 to 1 to 4-1 to 1 yesterday. Wow. Ha- however, wow. the RFU have come out today, I believe, and said categorically he will not be considered as a... Lions coach next summer. That's only, that's only fair enough. I mean, they they didn't let Stuart Lancaster go and do the role, did they? Thankfully, yeah, you're right. Actually, <laughs> you make a really good point there. It would not be fair to not exactly. let Stuart Lancaster. Well, be do you not think considered. if you're a home union, you want your coach to go and do that? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you get a, a, a wily character like Gatland who picks all the assistant coaches from other countries and ciphers off all of their knowledge. Yeah, and and gets all the inside on the players' weaknesses and strengths. He gets to look at them for like a six-week period in games, in training, and gets to completely understand. It's all the inside knowledge, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I see no downside to it, really, other than you can't go on the summer tour. But who cares about summer tours? I mean, you don't even take your good players on, on, on summer tours. I don't think Kerr went, went on one. I don't think Robshaw went on one. So, you know, it's, it's just pointless. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Tim. Yeah. No, sorry, you're waiting for me. Are you there, Phil, still? Phil, are, are you there? 
think we lost Phil. Uh, we've lost Phil. That's, that there you go. Right, so shall we rattle through the predictions for next week then? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go with England-Australia first. Uh, England-Australia, well, I, I want to see the team first. Uh-huh. Uh, I think if he goes for 3-0, I've just got a feeling England will eke out a 3-0. Um, if he if he rotates his squad, then Australia will win. Right, I'm gonna. I, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna change my original pick and say Australia will win. I'm saying this because Australia might win, but more importantly, I'm on record already saying that there's gonna be a whitewash. So either way, I can be correct in one form or, or one form oh, or I another. Hedging bets, and so I'm gonna hedge my bets and say I think Australia will win. But I actually do genuinely think yeah. Australia will win. I think they'll win by about. Six points. It'll be a frantic finish. Mm. Now, I've just seen a tweet from Adam Ashley Cooper that we've been tweeted to at Rugby Podcast. I don't know whether he's just having a having a laugh with this, but he said, uh, Adam Ashley Cooper tweeted, Well done, England. You've just... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ruin my holiday. I'm now looking for a tattoo parlour that does English flags. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I wonder, he's made a bet with someone. I don't know if he's just having a... He's in Greece. Where is he? It he says he's in the South Aegean in Greece. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, uh, Phil, Phil's just WhatsApp saying, does he want us to call back? Just tell him now. No, we can we'll take it from here. Yeah, You're right. all right, Phil. Yeah. Um, you can't hear us because the podcast isn't uploaded yet. And anyway. That's, uh, Wales, New Zealand? Wales, New Zealand. Uh, I mean, you, we know what's going to happen. New Zealand thir- by 30 points. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid so. Uh, Scotland versus Japan. Scotland's win against Japan. We haven't really talked about that. I didn't see it. No, I didn't see it because it was on. It was on late, and it was not only no, it wasn't on full stop. You couldn't watch it even if you wanted. I think you could stream it online in some places. But anyway, there you go. Hopefully, it'll be shown on TV. But it came at some loss for Scotland because they had a few injuries as a result. But um, they managed to eke out a win, and they will do so again. And maybe the most intriguing one of the lot is going to be Ireland South Africa. Oh, this is really exciting, isn't it? Um, I, th- I think South Africa are going to get better and better. And I think Ireland will lose. Although Ireland can really bring some players in and really go for it. Um, I think Ireland. You do? I really th- believe Ireland can do it. Which isn't the same as thinking they can do it, but I still. B- I believe they can, yeah. I, I, I just don't think they will. In, in, a, in a cruel way, I think kind of Southern Hemisphere, matches against Southern Hemisphere, order was restored in that game against South Africa. Heroic, gallant, mm. but heartbreaking last minute defeat I think it'll be more of the same agreed yeah no I don't I think I, I think you the Islanders are going to win what on earth um, yeah okay well let's send it there Tim alright nice one at Rugby Podcast get in touch uh, subscribe on t- 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Twitter, um, get your cornerstone razor, and we'll see you next time. All right, and...